off the heels of what the Lord just did, I think I think it's appropriate for us to go ahead and just jump, jump straight into it. So uh, we're going to be in Genesis 18 and Genesis 22. Genesis 18 and Genesis 22. And uh, so to so today is week two, week two uh, of our series that we're in, Point Blank Period. Remember, uh, Point Blank Period is the series where we talk about the, the culture uh, of Strong City Church, the foundation, the culture that God is calling us to, to stand on as a church. These are the things that will describe us, you know, when, when somebody wants to know who we are, what we believe in, this is who Strong City Church is. So week two, we're going in, and it's uh, coincidentally strong people worship. So this is this is what we're talking about today, and this worship set could not have been more fitting <laughs> for for this for this. So like, and what God and what God's been doing this whole week has really been flowing and fitting into what it was that He wanted to say through the Word. So I'm just I'm kind of standing in amazement right now. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna preach it like He gave it to me, and and we gonna watch Him build and orchestrate what it is that apparently he is building and orchestrating and we gonna all be amazed together we're gonna all bless bless and glorify him. amen amen so um before we do that though let's let's uh let's pray over this lord as we are about to embark on this journey within within the word we thank you that you're going to feed us you're going to feed everybody including the one holding the microphone we're going to be fed in a way that's going to shift and change us. I thank you, God, that there's a, a well-balanced diet that we're about to embark on. There's going to be some that's sweet. It's going to be some that may not taste as good, but it's just as needed and just as necessary because it's a part of that well-balanced diet. So, Father, we thank you that as we break open the bread, feed us until we have been full. Feed us until we are shifted and changed into who it is that you are calling us to be. Feed us, God, until we are strengthened in the places that we need to be strengthened, God. And I thank you for the strong people, the strong families, the strong communities, and the strong city that is being built from this house, God. We know we're not the only house, but from this house, God, we thank you that you saw it fit to build something that is pleasing to you. So, God, we thank you for this time that you've given us together. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen, amen, amen. Strong people worship. Strong people worship. You know, I'll, I'll talk about it as, as we keep going uh, in, in, the, in our time together. But um, with, with that, we have to understand that, first of all, w worship is way more of an internal dialogue than it is an external, okay? It's, it's more about what is happening inside of me than it is what I hear through a speaker. It is more so about the heart posture that I hold as I approach God in his presence, and less about every key being hit correctly, less about all of the right points 
being hit correctly. Uh, all of the things on the, on the lyrics on the screen being spelled correctly. Not that these things are not important, but when we talk about worship from a foundational standpoint, it must be something that is alive within me first. This is why God could give the command to make a joyful noise, a joyful sound before him. A lot of times when that's, when that's used within church context, it's used within the context of talking to somebody who may not be able to sing the best. Well, I might not be able to sing the best. They're talking to me, first of all, because that's just not my thing at all. So somebody tell me to make a joyful noise. I know they're subliminally telling me, look, you don't sing, so you need to stick to preaching. Don't, don't sing. Don't do that, which is fine. I understand where my lane is. I'm not offended by that. But God tells us to make a joyful noise because it is more so about the quality of the heart that the sound is coming from. See, see what I'm saying there? It's more so about the heart that is bent toward him because I'm so grateful for who he is within my life that my sound might not sound the best to my neighbor, but it ain't for my neighbor in the first place. It's not for my neighbor. It's for God, and because it's for God, that heart of worship is able to produce that kind of sound, which is very pleasing to God, to the point to where he said that I will accept that over any kind of sacrifice that would be given to me, because it is about that heart posture. And so I want us to have that frame in mind as, as we are uh, embarking on in, within this message. Worship is a privilege that we get to participate in. It's not something that's needed from us unto God. I'm not doing God a favor in worship. I'm not engaging in any kind of favor, and he ought to be proud of me and want to give me what's on my list because I worship. No, the prize is I get to worship him. That's the goal. That's the prize, that I get to worship. I get to engage in worship before my king. And it's not something that's needed because the Bible tells us clearly that the angels for all of eternity have been saying the same word, holy, holy, crying one to another because every time they cry holy, there's a different aspect of God that they've seen that they didn't see before. So they never run out of things to talk about. They never run out of things to bless them for. They never run out of things to say that you are holy, you are different, you are separate, you are other than. There's no one like you in all the earth. There's no one like you outside of the earth. So there's no one like you that I can even compare you to or put you next to. And so much so God says, I swear by myself that I will bless you Abraham and he finds no one else that he can compare himself to that is who it is that we get to worship that is who it is that we get to embark on within, within this heart journey it's much more about what we give to him preparing a space for God more than the songs that we sing but more about the lifestyle posture that responds to his goodness, responding to his goodness. The humble posture of recognizing that there's a need in my life for me to express my worship to God. And it flows from a proper understanding of who God is. It's a, it's a foundation. And as we build this foundation on what it is to worship, I first have to recognize and understand who he is. To the best of my ability. Because God is, God is not understandable God is beyond my comprehension he's, he's, he's beyond the finiteness that I have that I have to deal with in my humanity he's beyond that so because he's beyond that I have to engage it to the best of my ability which he's not trying to get me to understand him 
Because if, if I can understand the God that I serve, I have an inferior God. If my God is on my level, what do I need him for? We, we, both, we both got the same information. So I need a God that is grander. I need a God that's bigger. I need a God that knows way more than my capacity. Because in knowing way more than my capacity, I can trust in the fact that he knows even when I don't. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want us to go to, uh, to the scriptures now. Going to uh, Genesis 18 first. Genesis 18, starting in verse 1. Genesis 18, starting in verse 1. And uh, I'll, I'll be reading from the New King James. Genesis 18, verse 1. And uh, Tristan, if you could get to that on the, on the screen. Oh, got some other stuff up there too. Well, we'll just, I'll just, I'm going to read it anyway. Genesis 18, starting in verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, do what it is, that do as you have said. Now, I want us to, I want us to zone in on verse 2. So he lifted his eyes and looking and behold, Three men were standing by him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. That phrase, bowed himself, bowed himself to the ground, is the Hebrew word for worship. And the Hebrew word for worship is shakah. Do we have, we got that? Yeah, good, good, good. Verse 2. So he lifted his eyes and looked. Behold, three men were standing by him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground. So bowed himself is the Hebrew word for worship, which is shakah, which means to depress, lay down, fall down, fall down flat. It's this, pic, it's this picture of humility. And uh, um, one of the things that I'm going to get for, for my teaching purposes is I'm going to get a board because I got, I got so much stuff that I want to show y'all. I'm going to use my artistic skills to, sh to show y'all these things as we keep going. But what I would have done today is drew out this Hebrew word because the Hebrew alphabet, each letter, is also a picture and it's a number. So it, th this particular word, shakar, has three letters to it. In those three letters is, is a hidden message which gives us a more uh, complete definition of, of what worship is or what it was that was happening here in Genesis 18. So you have that, you have a letter, sheen, kaith, and hay. Sheen means to consume. Kaith means protection from the sanctuary. And hay means pay attention to what follows and outstretched arms. So when you put all that together, what just happened here in verse 2, as far as him bowing himself to the ground, is whenever we worship, we're consumed in a protective sanctuary of the outstretched arms of God. When we worship, we are consumed in a protective sanctuary of the outstretched arms of God. And in Genesis 18, which is, this is the first account of worship 
that you will find in the Bible. This is the first time that worship is ever mentioned in Genesis 18. Abraham is visited by the Lord and, t- and two other men. So it's, so, it's, so it's an angel and then it's two other men. But this is the presence of the Lord that is visiting him. And when he saw them, he ran and he bowed himself, or Shekah, to the ground. And Abraham went on from there to serve all those men with the best that he had to offer them. So they appear before him. He falls down and worship before them. As he falls down and worship before them, he rises up, goes and serves them with the best that he has to offer with with his bread, with with killing the calf and preparing a meal for them. As when he does that, off of the heels of his worship, we're going down to verse 10 now. In verse 10, and he, this, this is God talking to Abraham, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, context. Abraham and Sarah were given the promise that they were going to have, going to have a child. One problem with that. They both were crazy old. Like, like way past childbearing age. I'm sure most of us are familiar with the story. So we got two crazy, crazy, let's call them seasoned, crazy, crazy, well-seasoned people. As they're well-seasoned and well past this childbearing age, they get the promise that there is a child that is going to come. They get the promise that there is a child that that is going to come, and and they don't, well, yeah, let's say they, they both, they both are having a hard time with believing and receiving that. But off of the heels, as we see here, of worship being given first, as worship is given within within verse 2, here we are in verse 10, seeing that this, this particular individual says to them that I will certainly return to you according to the time of life, and behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. So a promise is given off of the heels of worship. An impossible promise is being given to them off of the heels of their worship. They give the worship first, and then there is a promise that is released to them. Because up until this time, Sarah had been barren. But we see that in verse 10, after true worship is presented, it is declared that he will return to them according to the time of life when Sarah is to have a son. Because true worship can bring such a dramatic shift within our life and cause something to happen that was once an impossibility. When I engage in true worship from the heart, it can shift the entire atmosphere around that situation and cause something that was once impossible. Now have the presence of God engaged into it to where what was once impossible now becomes a possibility. Not because of me, but because of the one who has now been brought into the situation. For we are told also that God inhabits the praises of his people. He lives in the houses that we build for him. He lives in that space that we build for him in our appreciation and adoration for who he is within our life. When I give that to God from the right posture and correctness of heart, I build a space for him to be and build a space for him to engage within my life from that place of true worship. So we following? Good, good, good. And see now, and in our next account, let's go to uh, Genesis 22. Genesis 22. And this is what I actually thought was the first, uh, first account of worship. But I learned something new this week myself. Genesis 22, starting in verse 1.
All right, Genesis 22, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here, here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now, I want us to uh, look, look at the context uh, of this. Because with the, within this context of, of our second introduction to worship, something is being presented to die. There's a sacrifice that's being presented to die. And so in, in our understanding uh, of worship, we need to wrap our minds around the fact that God will not always give us comfortable, convenient situations for worship to come forward. If I need everything to be flowing in a right way, need everything going right in my life, need every song, my favorite song being sang, or I won't worship, you don't know God. Then we have to be willing to be challenged like that. I have to make sure that I understand that God will not always give me the platter I want to eat from but will still require worship. Will still require that you give from the heart what it is that I need for you to give. And first of all, for him to require that of me, he's got to put that in me. Because God would not require of me of something he doesn't know I have. God won't require for me to give something that I don't have. If God requires for me to give something, then that must mean that there's a repertoire within me to give it. And we see that within verse 8 when, when Abraham told Isaac, the Lord will provide for himself. The Lord will provide for himself. So the Lord provides worship for himself in you because he put it in you to cry out to him. He put it within me. He put it within me to have a heart cry and to have a cry that only comes to him from him in me. This is, how, this is how God manipulates the whole side of worship. I'm going to put it in such a way to where I know that there's something within them that if they will engage and tap into it, that, that is me within them crying out. We talked about it a bit last week when we talked about how the faith of God, have the faith of God and able to believe. It is God's faith that is in me that gives me that ability to believe. This is not positive thinking that I'm conjuring up on my own. It's something that God put within me in the first place so that it's able to go back to him. And worship works the same way. He provides for himself 
that heart cry that is within us coming from him back to him. And so that's how we're able to go into, into that place that he, that he needs us to go into. So there's a willingness to, to, to let go uh, of someone that he's dearly loved, the willingness to lose something that he's believed for for so long as far as Abraham being told to go and, uh, sac and sacrifice and sacrifice Isaac. And we see that in verse 8, God will always place within us what he expects. So there's no excuse able to come from us because what he requires, he's already placed within He's already placed within so that that spiritual transaction can take place. Uh, not engage with the mind because everything we needed to probably is, is, is to worship him. And he will give what it is that's needed to be worshipped and needed for him to properly be worshipped. See, it takes, but it takes strength to worship from that place. It takes strength to make sure that you engage from, from the place of of proper heart posture when you don't quote feel like doing that when you don't feel like responding that way when you don't feel like responding the way the scriptures tell us to respond as believers because if if i if i let what i feel lead and guide me in engagement then i'm going to be everywhere i'm going to be everywhere on the spectrum i'm going to be up i'm going to be down i'm going to be in i'm going to be out i'm going to be high i'm going to be low that's just how emotions work that's the way the emotions work. But he has given us the charting to make sure that we engage from the place of the heart and making sure that I'm engaging from that place of what he has placed inside of me himself to give back to him as far as, as worship is concerned. And then I went and looked, too, in, in the New Testament, looking at the New Testament word for worship. And it kind of had the same, the same connotation as far as the, the willingness to be inconvenienced within my flesh, the willingness to be inconvenienced in myself to make sure that worship is always flowing from the place that it needs to flow to. Because as, as my worship is able to flow from the place that it needs to flow to, no, no matter what it is that's happening around me, no matter what it is that's happening within outward circumstances. I always have that, that ability to tap in where I need to tap into because as long as I have that, then I, I, I know that there is a hope. I know that there's a hope. I know that there's a tomorrow. But when I lose that ability to be connected, that's where depression can set in. That's where hardship can set in. That's where this will never change and this is never going to go anywhere. And then before you know it, I have backtracked to a place where I'm no longer engaging in community. I'm no longer engaging in relationships. I'm by myself. I'm trying to do life by myself. But as I'm doing that, I'm not getting anywhere because I was never created to be that way within the first place. So having to make sure that, that, as, that I'm maintaining that, that posture, maintaining that place, maintaining that attitude that God, no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, no matter what's happening around me, you are still worthy. You are still the one who is well able. You are the one who has caused all this to be. You are the one who holds my life in your hands. You are the one that will cause this situation to turn around. I thank you that there's something within this that I need to learn. I thank you that there's something within this that's going to make me sharper for my next season. See, there's always something there, but you cannot get that ability to see like that if the if the place of worship has been detached if the if the connection of worship has been detached i can't i can't see that because those thoughts don't come come to me because i'm intelligent 
that stuff comes to me because I'm engaged and I'm connected to the right one. This, this isn't a smarts thing. This is an ability to get information from the one who knows what it is that I need, that, that I need to know. And so with, within, within, our, uh, within the original language, uh, within this New Testament where it speaks of uh, bowing down and, and, po- and having that posture of literally uh, bowing down with the knee and laying prostrate before someone or before something that, that's being worshipped. But as I, started, as I started this message, and I'm bringing it to a close, I really believe that it's, it's more so, especially within the context that we are today, about the heart. It's about the, the heart perspective and the heart position of where is it, where is my belief? Where is my heart going with this? Where is my mind engaged with this? In, in my heart, am I, am I truly believing that God is worthy to be worshiped? Because if I am, then I am on the right track and I am definitely well on my way into being who it is that God has called me to be. It might take me some time to get there. It might take me some time to do what it is that, that he's called me to do ultimately within my life. But as I build that path correctly and building it from the place of making sure that my worship is prop- properly set and my worship tone is properly engaged within my life. Now that comes, that comes through, yeah, singing in the car. That comes through singing at the house, yes. But a lot of times that comes from just being still in his presence long enough for him to say something to you can can we can we pause life well enough or long enough to hear god even say anything to us yes god will speak you know through through the word as we engage the word on a weekly basis but it's got to go beyond that this can't be the only time that you engage the word this can't be the only time that, that, that we engage the presence. It has to be something that is built as a habit. And as it's built as a habit, worship starts to get stronger within you. So as worship starts to get stronger within me, then whenever there's adverse situations that come, I've already built up my strength in worship. And as I've built up my strength in worship, there's not something that's going to come and derail me so easily, knock me off so easily, because my worship has been built to the proper place and built in such a way that I can't be shaken by just just any kind of winds. In fact, I can't be shaken at all because I know that I know that I know and the one in whom I believe and I know that he is well able to keep me moving and keep me going. There's no way that he brought me up to this point and then just going to say good luck. It's not the God that we serve, but it's, it, it's maintaining that place of worship that keeps building my trust, keeps building my understanding of who this God is that I serve. And as I worship him, there's more that's unlocked. As I worship him, there's more that's unfolded. As I worship him, there's more that I engage in him. And there's a stronger bond and a stronger trust that's built. So I want to encourage us and challenge us as a church family. So let's let's engage engage in private worship more. Engage in worship as a family. Engage in worship with your individual families. Engage in worship with, with your significant other. Just engaging in those times of intentional worship. Singing may be involved, okay, but singing might not be involved. Because remember, it's a, it's a heart posture. It's me stealing myself long enough to shift my heart to dwelling and thinking on his goodness. 
to dwelling and thinking on his faithfulness. As I'm dwelling and thinking on his faithfulness, faith starts to arise. Hope starts to arise. And I recognize that I'm being incubated in that, sanct that protective sanctuary of his outstretched arms. And I know that that's the safest place that I can be. And so, Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. We thank you, Lord, that strong people worship. And I thank you that even in the, the midst of things seemingly going completely opposite of what it is that you have spoken, I thank you that it's nothing more than an opportunity that you have given when you are asking the question, will you still worship Will you still worship? Will you still bow yourself before me? Will you still bow your heart before me? Will you still come before me and bless me? Will you still come before me and bless my name? Will you still come before me even in the midst of being challenged and even in the midst of being pressed? Will you still engage with me? Will you still come and spend some time with me? Will you still come and be intimate before me? Or do I have to make everything right and pretty for you to do that? We want to be a people, God, that we worship you, Lord. We worship you with everything that is within us, God. We worship you with all that we have, God. We worship you with everything that is within us that you have given to us, God. We recognize that every good thing that we have, it came from you, God. Everything that we are, everything that we hope to be, it is found in you, God. And you and you alone are worthy to be praised, God. And it is in your son, Jesus' name, we pray and we thank you for this time within the word, God. And somebody shout amen with me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to go into our, uh, can we bring that down? Please bring that down. Thank you. We're going to go into our, uh, go into our time of uh, offering now. So I'm going to ask that uh, everybody go ahead and, uh, and rest, on, rest on your feet. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Can we get the, uh, get the offering slide up? That's, this is just in case uh, anybody might not know the different different ways that we got to give. So it's uh, it's on the screen, so you can take take care of that accordingly. But this this is worship also. Let me say that this is worship as well. Every everything that that I do within my life, everything that I do for God as a offering to God is accepted from Him as worship. And so that's, that's how I, it's, it can be built as a lifestyle because you can literally take anything that you do and offer it before the Lord is worship. Raise the kids, cut the grass, clean the house, give your offering, play your instrument, serve at your church, work your job well, love your family. It's all worship. It's all worship. As the Bible tells us that whatever we do, in the name of the Lord, do it, do it with everything that you got. 
And as I do it with everything that I have, I'm not comparing it to someone else. God's not comparing it to the next person. It's not, it's not an equal giving amount. It's an equal sacrifice that the Lord is engaged in. And as I engage that place, that's true worship. That's flowing from it. So lift up your offering, however it is that you give, envelope, uh, your, your phone. I, I know we got, we got a lot of ways through, through the app and phone and whatnot. So, Father, we thank you for this time that we have had together in worship through singing, worship through receiving of the preached word, and now worship through our giving. And I thank you, God, for every gift and every giver. I thank you, God, that this is a house that's being built on integrity. I thank you, Lord, that what is given, I thank you, God, that you will cause it to multiply and go well into the, into the places that we need it to go to, to meet the needs of the house, to meet the needs of the community that is around us, God. And thank you, Lord, for 30, 60, and 100-fold return, being unto everyone that is giving in this day, God. Bless every gift. Bless every giver, Lord. And I thank you that they've given out of the joy out of their heart, not out of uh, the ingrudging, ingrudgingness or, or, or necessity. But we have cheerful givers in this house, God. Cheerful givers that understand that it is a privilege and an opportunity to participate in their tomorrow and participate in the future that you have built, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you will receive this offering as something that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you got, we're dismissed now. So as, as you uh, give your offering, you, you're dismissed and, and we're, we'll move on. So y'all have an awesome, awesome Sunday and we'll see you back next week. 11 a.m.